Hi, Howard. Good to have you on the show. How are you? <laughs> Great, and you? That's good. I'm in Phoenix. It's hot. <laughs> yeah, it's also very warm here. So uh, could you please, um, Howard, tell everyone who isn't familiar with everything that you're currently involved in, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I am uh, Howard. I am 54. I am uh, at my fighting weight, uh, 175. <laughs> so uh, not that I want to fight. I'm just at my fighting weight. The uh, I live in Phoenix and San Diego for taxes, Phoenix, Arizona, for Lifestyle California. And I'm a venture capitalist uh, firm that we started called Social Leverage, invest in seed stage software startups. My specialty is financial services. Uh, I started a company called Stock Twits, which is now the largest uh, social network for traders and investors in the U.S., I've uh, been an investor in Robinhood, which is probably the fastest growing brokerage of all time. And I'm also an investor in eToro, which is kind of like Robinhood for the rest of the world, 140 countries. And so that's my claim. I have two kids, one dog, one wife. Uh, that's my claim to fame. Got it. So um, today I want to talk to you a little bit about like business and entrepreneurship and so on and so forth. But um, before we dive into that, could you please share with us like, um, yeah, a little bit of your personal journey of like, how did you became an entrepreneur and, and investor and so on and so forth? Yeah, my journey is I, I'm Canadian. Sorry, my dog is barking, hence the Zoom life uh, that we live in, Skype world. Um, <clears throat> the uh, born in Toronto, uh, raised in Toronto, went to uh, grad school at Arizona State University uh, in Arizona. I fled Canada uh, the, to go to the sunshine of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I got my graduate degree. I had to figure out how to stay legally in the United States, you know, 30 years ago. Got my green card. And it was hard because even though I had a master's degree, I really didn't have Back then, there was no technology per se, technology industry, and entrepreneurship wasn't like as popular as it is today. You know, you were you had a mm -hmm. you were you had a career, and uh, going to work for a startup was not cool um, because there was no you know software wasn't what it is today, and communications wasn't is what it was today. So I got a regular job as a at a broker as a stockbroker, but. And that's a very entrepreneurial thing, even 30 years ago, because you had to pick up the phone and cold call people and, you know, build rapport with people. There was no game plan. You just had to, like, constantly meet new people. And I stumbled upon a business while I was cold calling on a business. And obviously, I had the passion for, for building businesses. And I left being a stockbroker to go uh, help build this business called The Grip which uh, uh, became an incredible runaway success selling. Uh, it was a stress ball product, a squeeze ball company. We would put corporate wow. logos on it. Sorry, my dog. Hang on yeah, no problem. The, um, and from there, I just got the entrepreneurial bug. And luckily for me, technology um, just got better and better. And software got better and better. And the internet comes along in the 90s. And I've just been riding that, you know, do-it-yourself kind of investing in software and stumbling forward uh, using technology and social media 
And so here we are, you know, it's just like a, a, a not an overnight success. It's just one of those things where, you know, I caught the right, uh, I was curious enough around the right things at the right time. And here we are. Got it. Um, so, um, Howard, um, so, and, and, and could you please also share like the story behind how did you became an investor and um, why do you think that you have such an impressive like track record and um, yeah, share, share a little bit of your um, investing story with us? Yeah, I think I've always stayed true. I, I think uh, I'm curious. So I think, and I was definitely not homeless, but in a sense, I had pushed myself to leave home when I was 18 for whatever reasons. Um, and um, so I really was, I was really um, stocked, right? Like I had to make it on my own. Uh, and I was curious. So I was in Arizona and uh, I didn't have many choices, right? I just had to hustle to uh, find a career, etc. And I was just, I just, I guess I had this inside motivation and passion where um, I had to um, find something and I was curious. So when I, you know, the job that I had cold calling, uh, I stumbled upon, you know, this, this kid, Mark, who uh, I fell in love with this product and I went down this, you know, crazy path of entrepreneurship. Uh, with investing, what happened was, you know, I didn't have any money, so I wasn't an investor, but um, we made so much money at that first company that I had to learn how to invest our money, meaning we were like drug dealers. So we were selling these squeeze balls <laughs> and we would get an order for 200,000 stress balls. And our business was, pro it was kind of like software. Our business was profitable before we made the ball. Like we would charge the customer 200,000 before we would start making the uh, squeeze balls. So even though I had an MBA and I was supposedly a business student, I didn't know what investing was, but now we had all this money, my partner and I in our 20s, and we started buying stocks and we started to make money. And so we thought we were smart, but this was in the 90s, the beginning of the semiconductor. And and, and where you're like reading a lot of books back then or where right, you're we, like, had money. we were like drug dealers. We had money coming in and we were pushing it out to try and make more money. We thought we were king. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it happens like get lucky like we weren't like geniuses it just we hit the golden goose with this company and and it just so happened that the markets were also going up so i knew nothing really about the stock market uh but uh we started buying some stocks and at the time it was the semiconductor and personal computer boom intel and healthcare and semi and uh, and dell um and so no matter no matter what you bought the stocks were going up and uh so it was very uh interesting so i my first lesson with with the markets was you make money the markets mm -hmm. are there just make money and so um that's what i did uh obviously from there came many mistakes but i had the bug and i became uh hedge you know you know my first experience was the markets go up uh and i don't know if that's a good or bad experience it definitely didn't mean i was smart and i had the investing bug and here we are today and so today i still love stocks i still love investing in startups i love the thrill of uh backing something when it's nothing and having the vision um part of my success 
most of my success would come from my domain experience, meaning I keep doing the same thing over and over just with new technology. So, you know, my first experience buying a stock uh, seemed like a great experience, but I've always said, why can't it be this? And why shouldn't, you know, st why shouldn't stock trading be free? And why shouldn't it be on our mobile phone? And why shouldn't this? And mm. so constantly curious about why can't it be this? And in the right era of software and technology, I've just been, you know, kind of lucky to, to 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 be able to you know continue but my domain experience is what matters i love investing and therefore i'm always trying to improve my experience and therefore what i've been lucky about is everybody else feels the same way so far so um how before we talk about investing i think everyone who's listening to this right now they would love to hear like what do you think uh over the, all those years that you were involved in entrepreneurship and business and so on and so forth, um, what have been for you like the most important lessons on, um, yeah, uh, succeeding in business? Well, I mean, obviously it helps to have a point of view. Um, I don't think investing is fun. You know, investing wouldn't be fun if I all my only choice was oil stocks and gold and, um, you know, chemicals and industrials. So, so obviously for me, you know, having a, a point of view and a passion around a sector uh, really matters. You know, I don't buy oil stocks or en energy stocks. And so it's not like I invest. Because you don't believe in them or because um, you are not I'm, really interested. I, yeah, I'm not mm. interested. I don't have a point of view. I don't have an edge. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe investing just for the sake of investing. Mm -hmm. Right. I believe in like passion and, and, and focus and, um, you know, and scale and software, uh, you know, it just makes sense to me. It's scalable, it's global, it's uh, both centralized and decentralized. Now we have so many choices and we have so much uh, network effects and, and abundance uh, that it just makes common sense to me that everybody should be investing in software and the stock market and, and startups because anything's possible you know 30 years ago it was just a much different world we we had phones and we had landlines and we had a structure and you had a process that just took so much time and so the, the boundaries of what you could do as a startup person it's like oh maybe i'll start a restaurant or i'll start some kind of telemarketing company um but now because of software and the internet um and uh the globe, you know, the, the infinite uh, abundance of 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 room and scale. Uh, anything's possible. So I want to stick to that and not get sidetracked in all the other uh, shiny objects of investing. So I, you know, part of it is staying very focused. Not that I don't make mistakes. You know, my biggest mistakes are I'm I'm a salesman myself, so it's easy to sell me on something new and shiny. Um, but generally that leads to, uh, aggravation, you know, trying to stay focused around what I'm good at is the key. And that's a hard thing for some people to do, right? Especially curious people, because, you know, I have to say no to biotech. I have to say no to manufacturing mm. and hardware and all the other cool things that are out there, yeah. uh, to really focus. And, and, and I totally agree with you on that. I think like being focused is like very, very important. But I think yeah. especially for people in my age, when they are like in their early 20s or mid 20s or something, um, yeah. I think you also need to experiment a lot to really find 
where's your passion, what you are interested in, where you are good at, and um, wh where your skills um, are like very, very, or where you are talented, and so on and so forth. So I think like there's also time and place to experiment, especially when when um, yeah, someone who is listening to this is like in their twenties. So yeah, and I think the other thing is uh, just one sec. The other key thing is I forgot to say. And no one talks about this enough because, you know, education maybe matters and money obviously matters and mm. being lucky matters and being, you know, I was, you know, a middle class Jewish white kid in Toronto. So the odds were stacked in my favor from birth. Um, you can't apologize for that. Uh, it just is. Right. So some of that matters. Obviously, maybe it matters the most. We could argue about that all day long. But I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to try and stumble forward and do good and be a nice person and mentor. So I think the thing that really matters the most mm -hmm. of everything, other than where you were born and you know what you know where and where you were born and what time you were born, like what century you were born in. So we're, I'm just one of the lucky few. <laughs> um, is that mentorship is underrated and mm -hmm. education is overrated so the two biggest things the two biggest opinions i have from my life and how long it took to get started you know get myself on the right path is that education is overrated and mentorship underrated meaning i spent a lot of time in the 80s and 90s getting educated because that was your path right to keep mm. if you were rich you had to go to school and you had to follow a certain path And now I find myself not looking at kids' resumes. I look at their product and I look at their, uh, I look into their eyes and I don't care what school they went to or if they went to school. <laughs> that has, that's a pretty amazing thing from 20 years ago, yeah. right? Um, sure, some people say, oh, did you go to Stanford? Did you go to an engineering school or MIT? But I'm like of the opinion that like, I don't even check resumes. <laughs> resume you don't care all about the resume. Well, I, I can, if you, you, you just got through to me, because Barry sent an intro and said, you're smart. I didn't say, well, where's Marty from? And like, <laughs> Marty from, and what's his nationality and skin color and how rich is he? It's just like, someone said you were smart and you give a good interview and then it would be good to chat with you. And that was enough, right? So, so my yeah. network matters. So, so education's, we're seeing the downfall of it. And not downfall in terms of like it's over. It's just the way kids yeah. can educate themselves have changed, right? Yeah. And of course, school matters if you want to be a nurse or a doctor or an accountant. But I would argue that if you want to be an accountant in 2020, you're going to end up with the worst job inside a company. So, so, so I tell my nephews and nieces that if you are really good at Excel, you will have the worst job at a startup because you're going to be the sucker stuck building models. And if you want to have the best job at a company in 2020, you should know how to be a jujitsu expert at TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, mm. YouTube, because that is the new Excel. Can I help a company that's growing grow faster? Can I help a company with a good product get its first thousand users? Can I help a company that's struggling help them with their product and design to get them on the right path? If you're doing anything in the limits of within a spreadsheet, you've gotten bad advice and mentorship. Now, can you learn how to use Excel on, on Khan Academy or YouTube or whatever? Yes, people should learn how to use uh, Excel, but that is not a career. A yeah. career right now to me is uh, your network, uh, 
chasing mentorship, finding mentorship, giving mentorship, and finding these areas of growth and then inserting yourself into this. If you were a surfer, you don't go to the beach uh, on calm days. You go to the beach when there's waves, right? You listen to the weather. You you try and you know plan your day around when the surf is coming. Yeah. It's the same thing with like uh, you know entrepreneurs and investors. You have to kind of wait and look and read and find this the wave. And then once you see the wave, just you know throw your board on the on the water and start paddling. And because the wave is just gonna is you know the wave will carry you but you have to be able to paddle along and stand on your board and like fit in and kind of ride that wave and so today's wave is ridden best by people that build a network uh, find good mentorship and uh, learn how to help companies grow right and, and, and i think you don't need an education for that I, I totally see where you are coming from. I was just thinking about my own life. And um, for instance, like I've started like business here in Germany and um, yeah, like I've dropped out eventually, but um, yeah, like, like, probably like two percent of all the lessons i've took now are relevant in my own life like um <laughs> nearly nothing was I'm like really relevant i have an mba and i would say zero percent <laughs> I, yeah. I, I learned it didn't get me a job first of all i went to Arizona state so that's like uh, not harvard uh second of all uh i made great friends so i, I the the two percent that's relevant is yeah. the friends that you made and the network wow. that you created. But I don't even think kids are getting that out of college anymore. And with COVID, that's out the window too. Yeah. So uh, I think the joke, the gig is up on college. I don't know what the right model is, but I think kids should take it up. Kids have to be self-motivated, right? And I don't know, the parent can't be put to blame for all this. It's a, it's a new parenting world too, where you have to in a world of abundance where your kids can call an Uber and watch Netflix and have whatever they want on demand because of their iPhone or their Android, we're creating these kids that uh, no fault of anybody is just is, you know, it's a fact of life that yeah. kids, that kids are swiping on an iPad when they're two years old and, and going to Netflix kids or YouTube kids and right, yeah. it's the new TV. And then it's a fact of life that a kid won't want to drive because they can take an Uber until they're 25 and drink with their friends. And uh, it's cheaper than having a car and insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So these are facts of life uh, or sorry, these are circumstances that are nobody's fault. They just are. And you're silly as a young person, not to try and build your network. You can, you can, you can, like you said, do a podcast and, and be global uh pretty fast if you're if you know how to ask questions and if you're sincere and uh, you have proper etiquette and you have passion around a subject so i think the opportunities are endless which is confusing for for many young people because there's this abundance so it's hard to make a choice you know whether yeah. it's going to tinder and having a different date every night <laughs> eventually you'll be able to sign up for a car company and get a different car every day you know as part of your lease um, so with this abundance comes a lot of responsibility and new stress and anxiety that not enough people are talking about, right? We all just have yeah. this, oh, millennials are terrible and Gen Z are terrible. No, <coughs> they're very smart. Uh, and, and their hunger is disguised by the fact that they have 24 hours a day in which to 
kill time because of the abundance of their life and the less need for things. You know, the mm. other thing that I grew up with was things, you know, items, you know, Best Buy and you had to have a TV and you had to have a, a microwave and you had to have two TVs and TVs were expensive. And then you had to get the latest flip phone and then you had to wait for <laughs> the internet guy to show up at your house uh, for a month. Um, that's just now a flick of a switch, right? And you turn on your phone and the world is at your fingertips. So there's a lot of like stuff that we're not being honest about with this next generation. And they're coming to terms with that. And now you've just taken four years of their life of college and said, that's yeah. not fuck that. Why are you even wasting those four years? So, you know, now a kid is born, is going to live till they're a hundred. Um, uh, and they have nothing but time. And then their parents have nothing but like expectations about, wait a minute, you're 20 and you're wasting your life. And, you know, in a kid's mind, they're like, wait a minute, I, you know, I don't need to make money until I'm 60. Um, like, what's the rush? So I think there's, you know, we're dealing with all that stuff as well. And uh, coming back to your uh, point earlier about like mentorship and how mentors are like very valuable. Um, mm -hmm. I think like for, for me, like personally, um, I think like internships are like awesome and um, I also think like if you uh, can really like directly contact someone who is like way above your weight class and you can ask them a very very specific question um, that's uniquely um, in like it, you have like a really unique situation that needs to be answered I think this is like amazing but I think like if you're getting like to be honest here and I think most of my listeners already know this but um if you are getting like mentorships from like to be honest also podcasts and YouTube videos I think the advice is often very generic and um I I, I always try to compare like the online gurus to um, um, buying like a used car like you're, you're also buying the problems of the guru like he has like <laughs> he yeah, has very, like a very, I'm very anti-guru I'm very yeah so my son will say I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna call my friend to do this and I'm said listen motivating <laughs> yourself mo motivating yourself is the key to life right yeah You have to, you can have crutches and it's okay to, to have one, you know, mentors in your life. But, you know, we have these apps, like you could go download Strava or you can use your steps on iPhone and just yourself. You're going to run 10 minutes the first day and then the next day you're going to run 12 minutes and the next day you're going to, you have to find ways to self-motivate yourself. Yeah. If that comes from a guru, great. But yes, if you, if these gurus don't have all the answers, so in the end, um, you have to figure out ways to motivate yourself and truly experiment to find the passion things that drive you. Because with all this extra time in your life, it's also very easy to waste it and make really bad choices, you know, to form factor your life to what the world sees that you should be doing. And I think that's one of the tragedies is that we've been given this tool and this time And no one's really talking about the most precious thing is your time. And I think it's creating a lot of stress at like what I should be doing. What, what is this person doing? And you have all this, like you said, self-help mm -hmm. guru on Twitch and YouTube and yeah. et cetera. And, it, and listen, it, it's a rabbit hole. Um, 
and we can't fix that. Like, you know, my son has access to YouTube and, and Spotify. And, and, and obviously people love to listen to those guys. So <laughs> it works, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like vaping, right? They know how to hook you. They know how to hook you, including Google. They want you to spend time on uh, YouTube and listen to 50 gurus. But at some point you have to self-motivate yourself because no one's going to save you. It's just like a drug and you have to get off the drug and you have to push yourself forward. And um, however you can trick yourself into doing that, that's the key. And the sooner you stay true to your passion, uh, and some people don't find that until they're 30 or 40, um, but that's okay. The point yeah. is that um, if you continue to be curious and read and are nice to people and use the internet and build some social skills around using the internet, uh, you can pretty much get any question answered and you can put yourself on pretty much any course you choose to put yourself in. It's not easy yeah. and it's not your right. Like it's not your right just because the internet, you're going to be happy. Um, but at the same time, it's like a tool set that every single person that has access to, to bandwidth uh, can go and put themselves on somewhat of an even playing field using Zoom and Skype, et cetera. So I'm super optimistic, but at the same time, I'm non-judgmental because I think these tools also create tremendous pro uh, anxiety for people. Yeah, and, and, and like you've said, I, I also think they are just tools and obviously you can get the right answers via Google and maybe also through podcasts and YouTube videos and so on and so forth. But um, I also think like you also have to look at the downside and uh, at the totality of those things. Like for, like you've mentioned, um, for instance, um, for instance, um, when you're listening to a certain guru, you have to be aware that, okay, maybe this answer isn't like really the right answer in my specific scenario. And um, I think if you are also always just looking right away for answers, like you won't really think for yourself. And I think this is like really important. So if you're like always like 24 uh, seven um, asking others for answers, you won't be probably thinking for yourself, I would say. Well, in this world of abundance, I would say there's also abundance of false prophets, as we've seen. <laughs> right? So yeah. abundance isn't like you get to cherry pick. We live in a world of infinite supply and abundance. So you have to filter. I said, you know, there's no yeah. such, there's no such, I have this great saying um, that I heard that I stole, uh, that there's no such thing as information overload, only filter failure. So in a world of information. <laughs> That's abundance, a good one. Yeah. In a world where you are, as soon as you turn on your computer, you're inundated with email and text messages and Facebook mm -hmm. notifications and Twitter notifications and yada, Snapchat if you're younger, yada, 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 and Instagram stories, you are who, how you curate. And so it is up to the individual to um, take responsibility for their life and It's sad, you know, because if you're young, you know, there's a lot of false prophets and there's a lot of, you know, fake news and there's a lot of uh, bad things on the Internet. And there's also a lot of time suck. So at some point you just have to wake up. You know, when I was, you know, getting into business, the BlackBerry had come along and I was so addicted to the BlackBerry. Right. It had changed my life. You know, you could communicate really quickly. And, you know, and it was like I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And. I was addicted to it and it just changed your habits. Then you had to learn to, you know, put it down 
And, mm. and I think this next generation is the same thing with their iPhone. They just have it in their hand all the time. And it's a drug and it's a pretty good drug. And, but there's side effects to that drug. So I think this next generation has to deal with putting the phone down, turning it over, turning it off for three, four hours a day. And that is the, that is up to the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is a choice that young people have to start making sooner is you have this, you can be on 24 seven, or you can choose to turn it off for eight hours a day and live in the real world. Um, with COVID, uh, it only made it harder to live in the real world. So that's why you have this digital acceleration. Everybody is very nervous and scared, but at the same time, it's accelerating certain trends. Because if you turn off your phone, you keep, there's nothing to do in the real world because the stores are closed. You can't hug anybody, yada, yada, yada. And so it's a very scary moment in time for that reason, because at a time when we should be learning to turn off our phones and go outside, we're also being told to not go outside and to not congregate with our friends or aggregate with our friends. So it's a very stressful moment in time. And um, so, for instance, I would love to hear, like, how are you filtering information and how are you making sure that um, the source is valid? Because, for instance, like, I'm uh, like my only filter is like, Did it work in my own life? Because I found out that a lot of things that sound logical, a lot of things that sound nice, a lot of things that quote unquote make sense when you hear them, they aren't really the truth. Like if you if you try to apply those strategies or techniques, they, for instance, um, business related stuff, um, they don't really work. So, um, yeah, how, how are you filtering um, information in your own life? Yeah, I guess that's a good question. I mean, for young people, it's hard because they don't know what their what their passions are. Although, you know, I think just a simple app of Spotify and Netflix, you can kind of figure out what your passion and YouTube, right? You go down these mm -hmm. rabbit holes and, and, the, and they teach you what you're interested in. Google starts serving you and starts serving you up. Hey, we know you like this. So here's more. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a hard that's a hard drug that's hard to break. Right. Like. How do you be curious in a world where the algorithms are pushing you in one direction because you showed an interest in this one thing, right? So the algorithms don't work perfectly. Um, so people need to just, that's a fact, you know, and, and, and we, we, while the world can't agree on facts, that's just a fact that I believe, right? If you show an interest on the internet in something, the internet will give you that over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to be very careful of that. So what I do is I try and constantly kick off people from my network, meaning I don't like the news because the news is meant to, uh, it just turns me into the person that I don't want to be. So I don't read that much and I don't, and I have the same sources that I've had for 10 or 20 years in the sense that it works for me. You know, I'm old, so, you know, what works, I don't want to try new things. Um, so what works for me may not work for other people, but I have a very curated, it's hard to break into my system unless it comes in through my close network, right? I'm, I'm constantly deflecting things away, you know, whether it's through, you know, Gmail or whether it's through Twitter, I'm constantly pushing things, just letting it bounce off of me.
right? And instead of like accepting everything. And then mm. when I feel like I want to expand my horizons, I'll ask questions or I'll you know go on Twitter and say, I'm taking questions or I'll go ask questions of people that I, uh, and so I'm kind of very careful about my time and, and, and how I, how I give it, uh, because time is now more precious to me at my age. But, um, for younger people, I would say, be very careful of what you put into Google and what you uh, are sharing because that's the algorithms rating you and they will make it very simple to just go down one path. That could be your right path, but I think you have to be very careful of the algorithms that you're using. Great advice. Um, Howard, at the end, I always ask five quick questions, but um, before I ask those five questions, what would you say to everyone who is listening to this? And um, most of those guys are in their twenties and early thirties, like what would be your best quote unquote life advice on business, entrepreneurship and so on and so forth? Well, basically, again, just based on my life and the biggest trends that I see is um, unless you truly you know, there's there's healthcare, which I think is an important. Uh, I think if you want to be a lawyer and you want to be an accountant and you wanted to, I'd say you could do better. Meaning, that's what the machines are coming for, and we should we should embrace machines for anything as dumb as being a lawyer. Or an, and we're seeing that, right? The law and, and accounting. Uh, no one takes accounting seriously. They just make the numbers do say what they want to say. And we're seeing a lot of disruption around Excel as well and law. Uh, we're constantly seeing trying to get, but the lawyers have this stronghold on the on the world uh, from this last generation of culture. Um, so, you know, if you're not going to get into healthcare and you're not going to be an engineer, okay, uh, then you have one choice, and that's to be in sales and to be in marketing. And um, and not everybody can be an engineer. I'm not an engineer, and I don't. I'm not good at languages. But the language of sales is, and the language of marketing, and the language of of reading and writing, are very underrated. Uh, and I think we're coming into this era where you're going to get paid the most if you're creative. Um, and so I urge everybody to to start writing, whether it's a blog that they want to share publicly or it's Twitter or it's stock twits or it's somewhere where you can keep a journal of, of your life and you don't have to share it publicly. So get in the habit of writing. I think every company needs people that can write and think clearly. The second thing is, is there's no shame in being a salesperson. You know, any great company needs salespeople. And then the, the most important thing is if you want to be in sales, so assuming you're not going to go into healthcare and you're not going to go into science and you're not going to go into um, uh, engineering, then if you're going to go into sales, marketing, creativity, go try out the best products. Go go play with all the best products, right? Make sure you're up to date on what products like, like the companies are using. And then most importantly, if you're going to go take a job, don't go work for a company that is struggling. Go work, take less pay. Uh, don't worry about what city that, that company is in that inspires you. Just go get in there and climb aboard and do whatever it takes to be part of the rocket ship. So if you're a great salesman, I find so many great salesmen of the last generation, they went and worked for shitty products and shitty companies. And it doesn't matter how good a salesman you are, uh, it won't help you. Mm. And so if you're a great salesperson, go work for a great company. Because you'll get it, you'll get all, you know, that's where you'll learn the most. There's less friction. You know, if you go work for a shitty company and a shitty product, you're not going to learn anything because everybody's struggling. So um, that that's my advice, life advice. 
Love it. Um, could you please tell everyone where can they connect with you on the social web, so find you on Twitter and so on and so forth? I have a blog I write daily. It's free, Howard Lindzen, L-I-N-D-Z-O-N.com. And then on Twitter, that's my name as well. I'm very active there. And on financial for StockTwits, same name, Howard Lindzen, uh, StockTwits.com forward slash Howard Lindzen. Uh, I'm open to banter. Uh, it's easy to follow me for free and get my thoughts on my daily uh, email. So that's it's pretty easy to find me. Got it. The first out of the five question is, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Hmm. I'm not a book person. So I'm like, that's not a, no one wants to hear. I'm not anti-book. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not a book. I, I, I think, so none have had influence. I really loved the financial book Reminiscings of a, of a Stock Operator, which is kind of like a, a life story of a trader, uh, like from 100 years ago. Uh, and most of the stories ring true today, most of the lessons. Uh, and I thought that was just a fantastic book. And, and I think something I learned is that the markets, much like yoga or anything repetitive, is the same patterns kind of happen, greed and fear, fear and greed. So so the names change, but the stories are the same, right? Fast growth, panic, fear, greed. Um, so I love the markets. So Reminiscence of a Stock Operator is great. Um, I think the Phil Knight book, if you're an entrepreneur, um, I forget the name. Um, Shoe Dog or something? Yeah, Shoe Dog was fantastic. Uh, it tells a real story before the internet of what it was like to build a fucking massive company. I don't think people really understand how hard it was before the internet to build a business of that size. Um, but that is one of the, you know, them and Disney are two of these great old companies uh, that are still relevant today because very few relevant 20 year old companies anymore, uh, including Exxon, right? So you, you have Disney and Nike that are like, I want to hear stories about what it was like in the old days to build a business. Um, and then, uh, I thought from a sports perspective, I thought Andrew Agassi's, uh, biography or autobiography about his life as a tennis player and a parent that was, uh, they had crazy parents and, you know, the way he lived his life and, and very honest book about being famous. And um, I think a lot of people should read that just to know, you know, it's not all uh, happy-go-lucky, you know, to be famous and the number one player in the world and successful. I thought it was a really true, really interesting book. But books don't inspire me. People inspire me. Okay. Um, second question is, uh, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Uh, I like Scarface. I don't know. That yeah, doesn't mean I'm a good choice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think uh, Jaws was one of the best movie ever made because it was just frightening, even before technology, and was good. That the music and the um, it's just a movie that you know still scary. <laughs> um, and then third, I'm trying to think of anything else. I thought uh, you know from a comedy perspective, Caddyshack and uh, it was just so perfect. It was like a class war meets, you know, silly, you know, it was just a great movie, Caddyshack and underrated. Got it. Third question, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Paid for? Yeah. Maybe AirPods. Yeah. Um, and most important product probably in the last 20 years, the AirPods. Um and then I'll just keep paying for them. I just think they're, how can you not own them and experiment with them? 
Uh, I hear Notion and Airtable are incredible products. I don't use them. Um, and then what else? Uh, obviously, the iPhone. There's just not that much, yeah. right? This is the thing. You don't need that much. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So I don't have. I think just uh, clothing, like being true to yourself. Lulu is really an amazing company that kind of just made casual. Uh, you know, clothing monthly. What's the company called? Lululemons. You know, it's like yoga. Oh, okay, very yeah. popular in the Casual, US. just the idea that casual wear is what a trend that was. So I think you know, just being able to just comfortably feel yourself is is just a great product without logos and brands yeah. and colors and everything else. Um, fourth question: What are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years? Well, the revelation is just having two kids in their 20s and how hard it is, you know, how easy it is and how hard it is, you know, giving them a break about like how fast their life should go and their choices. So the, the revelations continue to be around my own kids and their struggles and their joy and their anxiety and their uh, just ups and downs of their life. I constantly am, you know, trying to have empathy towards that. Because I remember what it was like for me and how stressed I was and I didn't have anybody to talk to. And I think the opposite for them, they have everybody to talk to and it's not helping. So um, and they can date a different person every night. And is that helping? So this abundance is my is is the revelation. Last question for the day. Um, what would you tell your 20 year old self? I'd say by Apple. Uh, by Google, uh, by Starbucks. So I think the, the lesson for someone who's 20 today is what are the brands that you think that will be around Spotify, Taser, um, uh, it could be Boeing. What are the brands that you think will be around in 30 years and buy them? If you're always going to ask that question, what about your 20-year-old self? Then you should, you yourself should hang up Hardy and go on Robinhood or one of your Revolut or one of your products. And as your 20 year old self, put $10 or $50 into the 10 companies that you think you'll be still using when you're 40 and 50 and you'll be very happy. So it should always be about that. If you can look back, the only thing that you're allowed to look back at is money and opportunity. So if you're asking that question, make sure you treat yourself to that experiment. Got it. So, um, Howard, um, thank you so much for the terrific episode and thank you so much for being so generous with your time. You got it. Let me know when it's live and I'll promote it. <laughs> awesome. Have a good day. You too. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>